Well, welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I do want to mention this great resource called the YouVersion Bible app. You can download it on your phone or your device. All kinds of amazing resources there. And if you look under events, search for Arlington FM Church, there you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. And also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'd likewise search for Arlington FM Church, there you'll find all of our teaching content. You can listen to it, speed it up, share it with friends. Well, uh, this morning, I'm really excited to introduce a brand new teaching series. It's called Lovers and Friends. And uh, if you're a Beatles fan, you may recall uh, those words being used in a song called My Life. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the lyric of the song uh, suggests that... Uh, Captain Obvious statement here that our lovers and our friends have a huge impact on the quality of our lives. Our lovers and our friends uh, shape our experience of life, and I think we all know intuitively that's incredibly true. Well, according to Jesus, uh, not only do our loves and our uh, friendships impact uh, the quality of our lives, they shape our, our faith and uh, the impact of our faith on the world. Uh, here is how uh, Jesus, as he came to the end of his mission in this world, after he taught incredible things, uh, helped people in incredible ways, uh, really uh, no more uh, consequential mission did anyone ever have on our world than Jesus who came to save the human race. And uh, as he's uh, consummating uh, his work in the world, he says this about uh his calling on his friends. He said, look, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Uh, well, that's an amazing statement. And uh, according uh, to the uh, example and the teaching of Christ, uh, you know, though the kingdom of God uh, has elements of duty and responsibility, uh, the real priority, according to Jesus in his own words, as it comes to the end of his mission, is the quality of our friendships. Uh, you know, uh, someone once uh, charted the impact that our friendships have on the world. A friend of mine had a doctoral degree in ministry, and uh, interestingly enough, his doctoral thesis was on the impact of programs and strategies for changing cultures versus the impact of strategic friendships. And as you might guess, uh, he concluded that far and away, uh, the impact of uh, genuine friendships on the quality of life in our world is far greater than anything else that we could conjure up to try to help people. Uh, someone once asked the question, uh, how much does a friend cost? Well, uh, According to uh, one report, you can actually pay people to stand in line for you. And when they get up to the front of the line, uh, they send you a text and say, hey, <laughs> here you go. And well, that's friendship of a different kind. Uh, one lady actually uh, found herself uh, being recruited to be a bridesmaid for someone she didn't know all that well. And uh, when she did it, they actually paid her an honorarium. Well, word got to some other uh, circles of friends, and they invited the girl to do the same. She thought, hey, 
Maybe I could parlay this into a business. And so she placed an ad in Craigslist one night saying bridesmaid for hire. Went to bed. The next morning she got up. She had 250 emails in her inbox uh, wanting to uh, invite her to uh, be a professional bridesmaid. Well, you know, you can even hire people nowadays to come and, quote, cuddle with you. And uh, according to these folks, uh, there's no funny business involved. They just come and give you that human companionship that apparently we all desperately need. Well, you know, uh, fun aside, uh, the truth of the matter is uh, we need healthy loves and friendships in our lives uh, to experience the good things in life. In fact, uh, the Scientific Journal uh, of Happiness did a, a decades-long study on what it is that actually creates a sense of well-being in people. And time and time again, they found it wasn't money, it wasn't achievement, it wasn't success. It really came down to the quality of friendships. In fact, uh, one of the greatest predictors of job satisfaction is that you actually develop some friendships among your coworkers. Uh, time and time again, uh, this uh, same truth percolated up to the surface that nothing has a greater impact uh, on our well-being, our sense of happiness, and according to Jesus, our faith in the world as the quality of our friendships. In fact, here's the way uh, one researcher kind of summarized these findings. Uh, they said the single most common finding from a half century of research on what makes for life satisfaction is that happiness is best predicted by the breadth and the depth of one's social connections, by one's circle of friends. And see, it just, uh, again, highlights this truth that humans live better and they live more impacting lives when they their lives are filled with good relationships. You know, the Bible teaches this both in the Old and New Testament. Love this statement uh, from the uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Here's what the writer says. Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Uh, see, isolation is not good for us. And uh, when we cut ourselves off from meaningful friendships and uh, pour, not pouring ourselves into the love relationships in our lives, uh, we end up the worse off for it. Uh, in fact, God uh, couldn't have made this any more clear. On the opening pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, uh, God makes this declaration. It is not good for man to be alone. You could say it's not good for people to be alone and to be isolated. Uh, you know, we talked about the mission of Jesus and uh, the importance of what he came to do. Uh, it's it's uh, eye-opening to look at how Jesus went about accomplishing his mission and uh, how it was that Jesus uh, invested himself in and leveraged his friendships. You know, Jesus had a wide circle of friends. In fact, uh, in Matthew's gospel, he writes this observation of, about uh, the Son of Man. Uh, it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. In other words, he didn't isolate himself from the festivities of people. And uh, he was accused and attacked for it. Uh, people said, well, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. And then this uh, criticism, he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Uh, see, as Jesus interacted 
It was people that he wanted to, to touch, to change their lives, to bring them to God. He interacted with them as friends. He was accused of being a friend of broken people, of sinners and tax collectors, and the accusation was right on target. It couldn't have been more accurate. Jesus gave himself in authentic friendship uh, to a wide circle of people. Uh, he liked being with them. He valued them. He imparted significance to them. He enjoyed their company, and uh, in so doing, he was able to bring the love and the acceptance of God up close and personal to those people he, uh, he befriended. Well, when you look at the, uh, the life of Jesus, he not only had a, a wide circle of friends, he had a tighter circle of friends. Uh, there's a group of 120 disciples that are often referred to, and they had, uh, they had a more of a ongoing connection with Christ. They were recipients of not only his friendship, but his teaching and his instruction. They began to, to share uh, his mission, his God-given mission in the world. And, and then beyond that 120, as you read through the, the gospel accounts, you see that Jesus had a, a more intimate circle of friends. Uh, these came to be known as the 12. And uh, well, not that 12. <laughs> there was a different group of 12 that Jesus associated with, and they were called the 12 uh, apostles or the 12 disciples. And uh, Jesus spent a lot of time with this group. Uh, he selected them intentionally. He poured life into them uh, routinely. And uh, in that formation of that partnership, as we read earlier, they became tight friends with Jesus. Well, again, as you read through the Gospels, beyond the 120, beyond the 12, uh, Jesus had a smaller circle of friends. Uh, this would be uh, Peter, James, and John. It, they had even more uh, in-depth association with Christ. They shared the highs and the lows with him. Uh, they, they were on the inner core when Jesus worked miracles of healing, uh, setting people free. Uh, Jesus would often uh, put the crowds out to the side, and he would invite Peter, James, and John to share with him in these powerful moments. Uh, but they also shared with him the hard times, the grief, when Jesus was alone in the garden, it was Peter, James, and John who were with him. And uh, then even beyond uh, the 120, the 12, the 3, Jesus had a, a smaller circle of friends. And uh, this would be his very close friend known as John, the beloved disciple. And so Jesus, uh, he, he filled his life with meaningful and in-depth friendships. In fact, he could even go beyond uh, what Jesus shared with people. Uh, Jesus had this uh, friendship connection with God, his Father. There was affection. There was de depth. There was intimacy in that relationship. Uh, you know, uh, here's a truth that Jesus demonstrated. Uh, we don't do public well until we can do private well. We don't do uh, large circles of friends well until we can do small circles of friends. In fact, you could say this uh, about what Jesus demonstrated uh, in his love and friend relationships. Uh, Jesus was able to care for many because he loved a few. Uh, Jesus was able to care for the many because he loved a few. In fact, his love for the few was healthy because he shared it with many. I want you to just kind of let those words 
settle on your heart for a moment. Uh, it's not a riddle. It's a truth about the life of Christ and how he demonstrated what our relationships uh, can look like. He was able to care for many because he loved a few well. And he loved a few. His love for the few was healthy because he shared it with many. And we're going to unpack that as we go through this series. You know, I love this proverb uh, about friendship. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, this proverb really gives us the, the dark side and the light side of friendship. That uh, Friendships and love relationships, as we all know, can go astray. They can go off the rails. And uh, what was meant to be our greatest source of satisfaction it become, can become our greatest source of pain when friendships go sideways. And uh, most of us would love to have our lives filled with positive, life-giving relationships, but many times we don't know what that takes. Uh, our friendships, our love relationships get complicated, and uh, it can be difficult uh, to know how to get them oriented uh, in the right direction. Well, uh, Jesus made this statement that I think is going to uh, kind of be a heading uh, over this series, Lovers and Friends. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, again, as he's preparing to leave this world and return to his father, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. You know, Jesus, uh, he was a realist. He wasn't an idealist. He, he called it like it is, told it like it was. In fact, he said the truth can set us free. But he said, you know, uh, here's something that's true. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And that really applies to our love relationships, to our friendships. They get complicated at times. You know, and the truth of the matter is uh, people change. People go through different seasons in life, and unless we're aware of those dynamics, uh, we, won't, uh, we won't be able to navigate the troubles that we experience in our relationships. You know, an article was written recently that asked the question, why are there so many lonely males uh, in our modern society? And uh, as this article tried to pinpoint what was going on, uh, they made the following observations that the majority of people using uh, dating apps are single men. In fact, about 62% of all the app uh, dating app users were single men. And uh, you might uh, say, well, part of their issue just becomes uh, there's a shrinking field of available women. But something else, uh, as the article explored this uh, lonely male, phenomenon, something else was taking place. Uh, women were identified, of, of all the categories they looked at, um, married men, married women, single men, single women, of all those categories, the ones that were happiest were the single women. <laughs> they were beginning to realize uh, that they really didn't need to be in a relationship, perhaps with a dysfunctional guy, in order to be happy and so uh, there's this growing uh, divide between available men and uh, women who are kind of holding out, uh, looking for someone who's actually developed some relationship skills. So one of the conclusions of this article 
was that, men, you've got some work to do. <laughs> In this world, you're going to have trouble. And uh, if you're willing to do the work and gain the skills, well, uh, there are meaningful relationships uh, aplenty that are out there. You know, uh, as we uh, kind of give a give an outline of where this series is going to go, one of the things we're going to do is explore uh, some of the trouble that we all experience in relationships, whether it's with lovers or with friends, there are some things that are common uh, to the human condition. Uh, here's a slide that I found helpful. It, it identifies fundamental fears that damage all of our relationships. And if you're a Bible reader, you know this goes back to the very garden, uh, the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve uh, fell from their tight relationship with God they began to experience a shame, a distance from one another. But here's some of the fears that took root in the human heart and therefore find expression in our relationships. My fear of exposure makes me distant. It's that fear of being known, perhaps, that someone would see my brokenness. Someone might become aware of my neediness, my inconsistencies. In fact, you know this, don't you? We all have them. And it's my fear of being exposed that makes me cover up and withdraw from the relationships that are meant to be life-giving. The second fear is my fear of disapproval or my fear of rejection. It makes me become defensive. If I think somehow you might have a critical perspective on who I am, the walls come up, the gates are closed. <laughs> pull the shades. We find ways to protect ourselves from those who we think might harm us. And, and then this other fear, my fear of losing control, that I, I'm no longer captain of my ship, that as much as I try to control the circumstance of my life, life is bigger than my ability to control. And so this has a tendency to make us demanding, especially of the people that are closest to us, the people that we probably should be least demanding towards, we tend to express that fear. Well, uh, here's the point. Uh, we all have uh, to learn how to overcome these hindrances that keep us from filling our lives with the kind of love relationships and friendships that not only bring us more happiness and joy, but impact the world for good, for God's kingdom. You know, uh, someone uh, formed a, a relationship research uh, group, and uh, they spent the last couple of decades uh, looking at the things that couples do that either uh, enhance or de detract uh, from their marriage relationships, kind of a simple yet a profound endeavor. And over decades, they observed uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of interactions between uh, couples and uh, the things they observed have application for all of us in our loves and in our friendships. And uh, they asked this question, uh, are, all, uh, are all negative behaviors equally corrosive to relationships? Are all negative interactions equally damaging to the quality of our relationships? And uh, what they found is, no, they're not. In fact, there were four that stood out as being the most lethal to the quality of our relationships. And uh, it's worth mentioning them. They called them relationship killers. 
the first one was this. Um, it's the, uh, the tendency towards criticism, to be critical of people. And this is that orientation that, you know, if I have problems, it, they're usually caused by someone near me, someone around me. And uh, kind of a bleeding out from this orientation is this sense that we know what people need. We know how to fix them. We kind of, uh, you know, judge, uh, judge their uh, behavior and make our assessments. And uh, little do we realize how lethal that is to the formation of uh, growing, life-renewing friendships. I heard a great story this week about a guy who was on the, he was on the bus on the way to work. And uh, as a stop came up, the doors popped open. It was a weekend kind of like ours, a lot of rain. He reached down to grab his umbrella, and as he pulled it toward him, uh, someone pulled it the other way. And in a moment, he realized he didn't bring his umbrella that day. He, he had left them all at the office, and uh, he had actually pulled on a woman's umbrella. And uh, she let him know. She said, hey, that man tried to take my umbrella. <laughs> he apologized to her. He stepped off the bus. But he did write himself a post-it note, put it on his briefcase, the post-it note said, bring umbrellas home from the office. And so that day, as he left the office, he collected all of his umbrellas, stepped onto the bus, and uh, had his arms filled with his collection of umbrellas. And who should he see on the bus but the very woman who accused him that morning of trying to steal her umbrella. And uh, when she saw him, uh, she didn't keep her reaction to herself. Uh, she yelled out, hey! This man rides the bus so he can steal umbrellas. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, she observed the facts, but she couldn't have been more off, more wrong in her assessments of what was happening. And, uh, you know, that's uh, just a glimpse of what we so easily do when we fall into this trap of being critical of people. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're going to explore uh, in this series on lovers and friends is uh, how Jesus approached relationships. And one of the things he said is, uh, when you're interacting with people, don't try to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye, but uh, deal with the log that's in your own eye. And there's a principle there, a life principle. If we'll own our own stuff and make our focus uh, growing in our own abilities to be good friends, uh, we bring the ultimate good into our lives and into our world. Well, the second uh, uh, lethal uh, behavior that these marriage researchers identified in addition to being critical was, as we mentioned, being defensive. And this is the sense of covering up, of hiding, of feeling the need to protect ourselves from others. Uh, the third uh, lethal relational uh, behavior they found was uh, this sense of disrespecting people. Uh, not offering people uh, the basic uh, value and significance that they warrant. And then the fourth uh, lethal uh, relationship killer was uh, this sense of withholding, uh, turning away, uh, not uh, giving uh, others uh, our best, but feeling that, uh, you know, we've only got so much to give, and so we're going to reserve it for those few that we don't view critically, we don't uh, hide from them defensively. We don't view disrespectfully. And uh, so withholding, you know, uh, I'm guilty of this one a lot. I, I notice it 
uh, when I'm out with my wife, uh, I, you wouldn't know it, but I'm an introvert. And uh, a lot of the things in my occupation require me to be extroverted. And so I can get into times when I shift gears and I find myself in, in normal interactions with maybe uh, somebody who's helping us at the store and uh, I'll withhold, I'm not very forthcoming. And uh, my wife is just the opposite. She's engaging, she wants to talk, she wants to hear their story, she wants to share her story. And uh, you know, uh, we're gonna look at uh, how to overcome these uh, things that drain the joy and the enthusiasm uh, from our relationships. In fact, uh, of all the observations that many who've observed uh, how relationships function best, uh, I love this, uh, this, uh, this one that kind of summarizes all the findings. And it's a statement, relationships flourish in a rich environment of positive interaction. Now you hear that again? Uh, of all the, you know, the, the hours and days and years spent observing what makes love and friendships flourish, it's a statement, relationships flourish in a rich environment of positive interaction. Uh, they uh, state that for relationships to feel right, there has to be a rich climate of humor and fun and intimacy and empathy, and I happen to believe that Jesus demonstrated all of those. And in fact, uh, there's a there's a faith-based research organization called the Barna Institute, uh, actually sponsored by one of the largest denominations in our country, and uh, they did uh, some research on what it is in homes that allows faith to be passed on to the next generation. And here was their observation. Uh, homes that were positively inclined, that were hospitable. The doors were open uh, to creating friendships with neighbors and extended uh, uh, networks of relationships. So these homes were positive, hospitable, and they were warm. And they weren't referring to the temperature in the homes. They were saying they were safe environments. And these were the kind of climates where faith was passed on from one generation to the next. And I happen to believe that's what God wants uh, for our friendships and our love relationships, that they would have those qualities where life can be transmitted. Yeah, yeah. I love this proverb, Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, this really sums up uh, this, uh, the introduction to the series, Lovers and Friends, is a friend loves at all times, not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient, and not just with people that are like us, but a friend loves at all times and happen to believe that God wants to empower us uh, to be those kinds of people that are there for others. And in so doing, we not only fill our lives with every good thing, uh, but we impact the world uh, for his good kingdom. Uh, we'll end with this. Uh, Jesus, again, as he's uh, highlighting that these uh, 12 disciples have transitioned from servants to friends, he says, my command to you is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. You ready for this? Here it is, to lay down one's life for one's friends, to give your best for your friends. There's no greater love on our planet 
than it, that which is expressed through love and friend relationships. Would you join me in a prayer? Father, thank you so much uh, that you have befriended us. Uh, thank you for sending Jesus to be with us. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, what the writers of the New Testament observed about you, that you are not ashamed to call us your friends and your family. Uh, Lord, uh, we want to open up to your friendship in a new way in this series uh, today as we respond uh, to the revelation of what really, really matters uh, in this world is the quality, the depth, and the breadth of our friendships, uh, beginning with you, with those circles of friends that uh, we're more uh, intimate with, perhaps our, our marriage partners, our families, and then, Lord, extending that friendship so that it can uh, accomplish uh, what God's love wants it to in our world. Uh, we just open up to your friendship right now. Maybe as you're hearing these words, you're thinking, you know, I've never thought uh, of Jesus uh, coming to me uh, with the desire to be my friend. And that's exactly uh, his intention. And through that friendship, uh, it would open you up to every good thing that God has in store for your life. Uh, would welcome you, uh, invite him, uh, say, Lord, uh, I'm not going to unfriend you. I want to invite you to uh, come alongside me, come into my life. Uh, let that forgiveness that you died to achieve, let that become uh, true in my life and my heart. Uh, I turn uh, from my self-willed life. I turn from my defensiveness, from withholding. I want to open up to you and uh, Lord, uh, help me uh, to walk intimately and closely with you. I believe that every good thing will come to me as I set myself to do that in Christ's name, I pray. Amen.